You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Jacobs to the left of Garoppolo, second and ten, shotgun snap. Garoppolo looking over the middle, fires to the end zone, and it's caught! Touchdown Raiders, Jacoby Myers, eight yards in the back of the end zone, wide open, reached up and brought it down, and the Raiders take a 9-0 lead. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, Raider Nation, coming in on this Tuesday on the heels of the JT The Brick Show. Had an opportunity to catch up with JT earlier today at the Intermountain Health Performance Center. Him and Lincoln Kennedy, we all uh, took part in the Raider Roundtable. It's a fun show to do, recapping Week 6 action as the Raiders got the victory over the Patriots and start to preview the Chicago Bears. Week 7 action, you heard the one touchdown uh, that the Raiders had uh, on sun- on Sunday against the Patriots. That was a Jimmy G to Jacoby Myers. Nice touchdown catch. Uh, that was a really well-designed uh, play, and, and the way that Jacoby executed it really left his defender way behind him, and all Jimmy G had to do was hit him, and uh, boom, there it was. You know, would love to see more of that, see him more throwing the ball into the end zone, especially with the Raiders' struggles that they have in the red zone. Need to see more of that from Jimmy G or from Aiden O'Connell or from Brian Hoyer, whoever the quarterback may be. Got to see more guys throwing the ball into the end zone. And I thought, Ari, I got to tip my cap to you, and I don't know if you did it on purpose or not, but I'll give you credit for it. But got to give you a little bit of props for uh, having the nocturnal super ugly in the background because, you know, the last couple wins haven't been the prettiest wins by the silver and black. Some could call it ugly, but W's always look good to me. So uh, I don't know if you did that intentionally. I respected the nocturnal uh, beat right there. It was one of the first uh, artists that I had a chance to interview. He was a really good dude uh, back in the day representing that L.A. area and hanging out with, you know, Dre and all them. And The Wash, I immediately think of The Wash, the Correct. movie The Wash, as soon as I uh, hear nocturnal. So I don't know if you did it on purpose, but if you did, shout out to you. I did. That was Bad Intentions, too, that's also called. So you see what yeah. I did there. Yeah, yeah, no, good catch. You got it. Yeah, hey, man. Yes. Look, sometimes you got to wake up <laughs> real early in the morning to get, get one by me, brother. So. <laughs> I immediately picked up on that as soon as I heard the beat. And like I said, not mad. I thought that that was well done by you. As you can hear, my man Ari is back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. I like to call it Studio Q. And, of course, the show is being brought to you each and every day by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. My guy Mordecai and company do a fantastic job. If you need to get some kind of jewelry hookup, then uh, that's where you need to go. As a matter of fact, I had this nice little uh, black chain on over the weekend. I don't wear jewelry too often, but, uh, you know, I had this black chain on over the weekend. I was like, man, I got to rock this thing more often, right? It's just – it's it's a nice little piece, and of course, the Jewelers of Las Vegas is the place to go and get it, or get any any other kind of jewelry that you may need, whether it be rings, watches, um, you know, necklaces, whatever the case may be. They got you, and they'll take care of you in a major way. Matter of fact, when you get them, be like, hey, Q said to to come on over here and check you out, the Jewelers of Las Vegas. I'll tell you more about them later on the show. But coming up on the show, as far as our guests go, at 2.30, Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and also our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, does a fantastic job with both. Of course, he's a guy that covers the Raiders like a glove, uh, not only at home but on the road as well. So uh, he'll join us. He was in the press box on Sunday. He saw the Raiders' victory over the Patriots. He saw the victory on Monday over the Green Bay Packers. So we'll get his thoughts on where the Raiders are in his mind sitting there at 3-3, three and three. and Adam Hill's always a guy that kind of looks at the glass half full, and it could even look at a situation and say, yeah, that's good, but not really that good, right? He likes to keep it real. I'm okay with that. I could appreciate the honesty. So uh, Adam Hill, one of our favorite guests, will join us coming up at 2.30 this afternoon. Uh, 3 o'clock, speaking of favorite guests, John McClain, Sports Radio 610. Don't look now, but the Houston Astros, 
are down 0-2 to those Texas Rangers. That's an in-state rivalry right there, the Rangers and the, the Astros, the, for the opportunity to go to the World Series. So uh, I know that John is Houston through and through, so he's pulling for his Astros. But he's been a guy that's kind of told us all year long that, yeah, the Astros really aren't that team that they have been when they've been winning World Series titles. So we'll talk to him off top about the Astros and their struggles against the Rangers. But then, of course, we'll deep dive into the NFL. And, you know, just to kind of bring some clarity to the season, after the Chargers lost the Monday Night Football last night to the Cowboys, the Cowboys improved their overall record to 4-2. and two. The Chargers dropped to 2-3. and three. There are 13 teams right now, including the Raiders, that have three wins on the season. 13 teams. There's another 10 teams that have less than three wins, including those Chargers. 13 plus 10 is what? 23. There's only 32 teams in the NFL. So there's only a handful of teams that actually have more wins than the silver and black. And again, the majority of the league has three wins right now. So it's just something that the NFL loves. They love the parody. It keeps every fan base engaged, right? There's not too many teams. There's only one team that has no wins. That's the Carolina Panthers. And there's no teams that are undefeated after uh, both the Eagles and the 49ers lost over the weekend. So we'll talk to John McClain about that and everything else, every other storyline going on in the NFL, including those Houston Texans. They're another one of those teams that have three wins on the season. They're knotted up at 3-3. Three and three. As a matter of fact, that whole division, if you look at that division, it's 3-3-3-3-3-3-0-6. Three, 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 <laughs> right? I mean, so uh, three, three teams look exactly the same, and one team, well, they're just not very good in the Carolina Panthers, and so they're going to have to uh, do what they could do to uh, to get better. No, they're not even in that division. I'm tripping. Uh, but, yeah, there's uh, the rest of their division is 3-3-3. Three, three, three. Uh, that's where I was getting to. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm tripping on mixing the Souths together. I'm mixing the AFC Souths together and the NFC South, so I can't do that. But we'll talk to John McClain about the Houston Texans as well uh, coming up at 3 o'clock. At 3.30, as mentioned before, was on the Raider Roundtable uh, earlier today with Lincoln Kennedy. He joins us each and every Tuesday and Thursday. He recaps what he saw on Tuesday. And then on, on Thursdays, we preview what's coming up. So, of course, on Thursday, when we get a chance to talk to Lincoln, we'll focus 100% on the Chicago Bears. And I think it'll be a really good day to talk about the Bears because maybe we'll have some clarity on the quarterback position for the Raiders and also have some clarity on the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears. Both teams uh, have a potential going into this game on Sunday with their backup quarterback. Uh, and who knows who the Raiders are going to put out there and who knows uh, who the who the Bears are going to end up putting out there if they, in fact, do not go with Justin Fields. I believe uh, uh, Baggett's going to be the guy that's going to go, the undrafted free agent. Uh, I think he's going to be the guy. Uh, behind him is Nathan Peterman. <laughs> oh, good friend of the, the team, Nathan Peterman. He's the third strings quarterback. I don't think that they'll put him out there. But, again, if Justin Fields is feeling better towards the end of the week, I know he's listed as doubtful right now. You never know. So when we get official word of who's going to go for both teams, it'll be a lot better. Hopefully by Thursday when Lincoln joins us, we'll be able to talk about that. But today we'll look back at what the Raiders did, how they picked up the victory with the Patriots. Lincoln is never one that complains and argues and, and uh, is upset about a victory. Uh, he always says a win is a win, and you take them however you can get them. So he can appreciate the super ugly that uh, Ari dropped as well, the little nocturnal beats. Again, you should never apologize for getting a victory in the NFL. They are too hard to come by and – with the Raiders sitting there at 3-3, three and three, just like the rest of the league, the majority of the league, I think that that's all right. So Lincoln Kennedy, uh, he'll join us at 3.30. And then at 4.30, Coach Zach Monticelli. He's from Legacy High School. He's the Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient. And uh, they got a big victory over Palo Verde. They had a big, uh, tough-fought battle. It was close. It was back and forth, back and forth all game long on Friday. And uh, they came out on top. They are undefeated in league play right now. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe they're the Class 5A Division League 
three champs right now, I believe. Or it may be this game coming up on Friday uh, against Desert Oasis may be the one that determines the championships. But I think, and so we'll ask, I'll ask Coach that off top about, you know, the, the opportunity to be the champs or if he, in fact, is the champs. Need to get a little bit of clarity on that. But Coach Zach Monticelli from Legacy High will join us coming up at 4.30, Tom Flores High School Football Coach of the Week Award recipient. We do that each and every week throughout the course of the high school football season, something that the Raiders are very passionate about, something that they make sure that they're involved with, uh, the high school athletics, not only uh, men's or boys' football, whatever you want to call it, varsity football, but also girls' flag football. Uh, They're very heavily involved in high school athletics and very heavily involved in the community in general. So uh, anytime you have an opportunity to talk to some of these coaches about their program, their kids that look up to the Raiders and go to Allegiant Stadium and check out games, it's always a pleasure of mine. I enjoy high school football in a major way. So uh, to be able to so- show some, some, some light and give some, uh, you know, some props to these uh, teams around the area is something that I really enjoy doing. So again, Coach Zach Monticelli from Le- Legacy High School will join us coming up at 4.30. So those are the guests that we have on the show today. Adam Hill at 2.30, John McClain at 3, Lincoln Kennedy at 3.30, plus Coach Zach Monticelli at 4.30. And we'll get our final sounds from the Raiders locker room. We had a couple on the show yesterday. You'll hear from a few more players, and then we'll officially turn the page to Week 7 action tomorrow. So this will be the final day for us looking back at what the Raiders were able to do, picking up the victory uh, 21-17 over the Patriots Week 6 action. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. And before we get into the opening drive, I want to give a big shout-out to everybody who came by the Oyo. There was a lot of folks, a lot of Raider Nation that came by and said, what's up, picked up a T-shirt, picked up the new uh, bottle opener, uh, got some tickets from us, but just came by, still in town, coming off that, uh, that game on Sunday, and it was really cool to just see and, and like I said, meet and greet with uh, all of Raider Nation that stopped by the Oyo, just like it was really great to be able to catch up with a lot of folks at Allegiant Stadium at the Coors Light Landing on Sunday ahead of the game while, uh, while JT and Eric Allen were doing the pregame show, I had an opportunity to meet and greet with a lot of Raider Nation, so I definitely appreciate that. Uh, enjoy talking to you, and Ari, again, I know you think that I just uh, gas you up, but multiple times they said, hey, where's your guy? Where's your tag team partner, Ari? And I said, oh, he's in a shell hiding somewhere, man. He ain't coming out. No, I believe you. I believe you. As much as you like to take fun shots of me, which is fun, <laughs> <laughs> I do believe you. I will. I, I Trust me, it's encouraging, and I, I got to make my way out there, man. It's... I feel bad. I'm letting the people down. So yeah, Nation. man, they want to know who's the guy who takes all the abuse from me. Ah. <laughs> so it's not that bad. I've been in much worse situations. So so Q, you're all right. <laughs> there you go. You all right. You all right. right. Yeah. For I, now. I, I heard that. I I am mad at you, but no, really, uh, definitely appreciate you, Red Nation, because there was a lot of folks that represent and say they listen to the show each and every day, and that really, man, that means a lot. Awesome. That goes that goes a lot farther than you would ever believe. So thank you so much for uh, the support of the show, uh, the podcast, uh, coming out to the events that we're at. It's awesome. My man, Vice Raider's always out. Vegas Jess, Jason, always out, uh, hanging out wherever we go. And that's, that, is a, that is a really, really good feeling. So definitely thank you, Raider Nation, for the support. Now, with the topic that I want to bring to the table today, and I like to bring a topic or two each and every week, we are officially two weeks away from that October 31st trade deadline. I know some people look at the calendar and say, no, nah, you're you two weeks away from Halloween. Yeah, well, you know, for Halloween, your boy turns his light out. <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm that guy on the block that everyone gets mad at. When you walk by my house and the light's out, that is me. Ari, I guarantee that's you too, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've that thought is- about it too. I, I just I take it easy on the kids. I figure I'll let them 
I, I'm right. going to do us both the service and, yeah, just lights out. I'm also working half the time anyway. I just don't care. I just uh, don't. The wife loves Halloween. She wants to hand out candy. She wants to decorate the house. She wants to yada, 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 yada. Huh? I said, well, go on. Go on, do it then. Make it happen. Don't involve me. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with it. So after I say that, she's like, yeah, okay, no, I'm good. And then she don't want to hand out the candy because I'm like, every time that doorbell ring, every time that door knock, that's on you. I ain't answering it. You're on your own. Yeah, you're on your own. And if that thing starts knocking at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night like they ain't got the hint, that's on you still. Yeah, it ain't on me. They don't get no hints, by the way. Lights off or nothing. It doesn't matter for me. That I'm literally hiding upstairs just like, oh, please. Let's just take the hint. Now, see, I ain't going to hide in my own house. I just going to turn no, the light you know out. No, what I need. I'm yeah. just like, come on. I'm not here. Go away. Go get some candy <laughs> elsewhere. Use right. your time better. <laughs> right. So, for me, October 31st is not Halloween. October 31st is the trade deadline. Scary. That's, that's, what, that's what matters. And as of about four or five years ago, the NFL has really been aggressive at the trade deadline. We used to never see trades uh, in the NFL. It was the most boring date ever in the NFL action. It just was like, yeah, trade deadline came and went. No big deal. And then all of a sudden, teams started making moves. I remember when Jimmy Graham was traded and, you know, some other big-time names got traded at the trade deadline. I was like, wait, hold on. What's going on? So with the trade deadline being 14 days away, do you, Raider Nation, expect the Raiders to make a move? And if so, what side of the ball would you like to see be addressed? And what position? And I'm not talking about shipping players out. I ain't worried about that. I think we could probably go through the laundry list and go through the roster and be like, yeah, if there's this player going to be – if a player is going to be on the, on the way out, it's probably this guy. Or if a player is going to be on the way out, it's probably this guy. I think we could do that all day and come up with the same answer. I'm talking about players coming in that can help this team as they're sitting there at 3-3 three and three right now. And maybe you don't want them to make a move. Maybe you say, yeah, you know what, don't make a move because, well, what is it going to do, right? You could be in that camp too. I'm all right with that. That is just fine. But, again, I throw it out there. The trade deadline, 14 days away. Do you expect the Raiders to make a move? And if so, what side of the ball would you like to see be addressed and what position? You don't have to give me a player. Now, if you have a player of mine, that's cool, right? I mean, I'm, I'm all good with that. That's like a three-point shot, right? I mean, you could take a mid-range shot, but if you got a three-pointer in you, go ahead. If you're at, at three-point range, you want to get your Steph Curry and your Klay Thompson on, cool. I'm with that. But if you're just like your boy, I was a mid-range guy. I didn't have that, 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 three, that three ball. I was free throw line and in. <laughs> that was me, right? That, that guy don't even exist in the league anymore. That guy is a dinosaur. Some might tell you that Q, Q's a dinosaur these days. But it's all right. I don't mind becoming a dinosaur. So let me know. What do you expect the Raiders to do? Do you think they make a move by that trade deadline? If you, if you do, what side of the ball would you like to see be addressed and what position? I'll go ahead and start. I do think that they make a move. I think it's for the defensive side of things. Um, and it's funny because I thought about it. I was like, man, they really could use the offensive lineman. But I just don't see one out there. I don't see one out there that teams are willing to make a move from. So that's why I, I defaulted to the defensive side of things. Plus, of course, we've all seen the reports and heard the reports we talked about on the show about the Raiders looking to help uh, Max Crosby on the defensive line. And that's where I'm going. I think that you got to go to the defensive line. I would love to see like a big-time corner brought in. But I just don't think that guy's out there either. Right, I mean, there's there's a reason why they signed Marcus Peters when they did. He was probably the best the best guy out there available at the time. I don't see too many teams willing to come up with a you know a, a corner that's a big time player. But if so, maybe that's a position. So I'm just gonna go with the defensive line. I feel like the more pressure you get, the better the corners are gonna be. So I'm gonna go with the defensive line. And I'm and I I, I don't want to give away too much of the Raider roundtable. But I, I I told JT on the show today. I'm looking at Minnesota and I'm looking at Daniil Hunter. Greed. If I want to be greedy. I would look at Carolina and, and Brian Burns, and I've talked about that on the show before. 
But I just I don't that like I said I feel like I'm being greedy if I do that. It's almost like going and, and knocking on doors for Halloween candy the day after Halloween, like November first, right? That's that's just being greedy. Now now you're being greedy. So that's that's why I'm just kind of okay. How about look at Minnesota? They're not a very good team at all, right? I know all the conversations about Kirk Cousins and he can get traded, but he has no trade clause. Obviously, the Raiders don't need him. But I do think a guy like Daniil Hunter would be a really nice addition across from Max Crosby, uh, especially if they're in a position to go get him and then get him at a at a decent, you know, price tag. Basically, I'm good with that. So that's that's where I think. But you know, I might have the player wrong, but I think that the Raiders make a move for a defensive lineman to help across from Max Crosby, especially since they're starting to get some interior push from the guys like Bilal Nichols, from Jenkins, you know, from others, Butler. Other guys, Jerry Tillery, guys like that. It's good to see those guys start to get some uh, some burning and get some penetration along the uh, uh, on the defensive line. So that's that's what it is for me. I do think they make a move in the next 14 days, and I think it's on the defensive line. That's that's where I'm going. But what says you? 702-365-9200 in the don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, uh, keyword R-N-R. How about Prune Tucky Raider from Monterey? Welcome back to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, thank you. I tried to get on yesterday, and I don't know what you heard or not, but uh, <laughs> I, I called in after being a Raider fan for 55 years, and I wanted to briefly talk, I'll answer your question now, but briefly talk about the quarterback situation, and I'll mm-hmm. try to get to the point real quick. So it was easy for me to call in after 55 years because of UQ. I like the way you listen to the listeners. You know, you give really good feedback. You don't interrupt, and it's a really good compliment, and, and that's why I called because you know, just because of who's uh, uh, doing the show. So I wanted to give you a little kudos. So anyway, you stole my thunder, guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm 70 years old. I still have a lot of youth in me, you know, and I'm very, very, I don't want to use the word passionate because there is passionate Raider, but I'm more of a crazy Raider fan from way back from the Tuck rule and, and you know, the uh, Franco Harris and et cetera, et cetera. So I've seen, I've been really exercised and, and happy and more pain than everything else. So, with that, I think what, what the Raiders should do, and it's really no secret, but more realistic in getting this one, I don't know if it's possible, but I can't remember the guy's name, but he's uh, he may be cut as the uh, Denver defensive end, uh, similar to what the 49ers did, where really they didn't really pay much for this guy, and they swapped six and seven round picks. Maybe a move someone like that that's more realistic than the, uh, I'd love to see Carter from uh, Carolina, but, yeah. or not Carter, but, you I know, know about Burns. Carolina. So yeah. um, that's what I'd like to see. And the other thing, a little sleeper, is probably get more speed in the in, uh, kick returns. I know he uh, is a Carter that yeah. uh, comes back. Maybe another guy, uh, we may have it internally, or somebody you know out there that would give a little bit more credence to getting more field position on either a punt returns or kickoff returns. So that's kind of what I'd like to see. Nice. Um, yeah, and as far as yesterday, I really wanted to brief on who I think the quarterback should be. I know you have a lot kind of the same answers, but I had a little different spin on it and okay. it may have already said, but I don't think it's close. And if uh, Garoppolo can't play, um, I, I definitely would go with O'Connell for this reason. Uh, one of the things I saw with him, he seemed to improve in the Chargers second half and he seemed to uh, command the offense. I watched him in preseason. He was giving these hand signals. He just, he just seemed more comfortable, even though it was preseason. But the reason I say that is, First of all, Josh McDaniels. He's supposed to be an offensive genius, a leader, and all that. And kind of compared with some of the other guys like Shanahan. And I see what Shanahan has done with uh, Purdy and kind of going with his strengths and weaknesses. And I think if Josh can, if uh, O'Connell had a full week, 
you know, I think that would benefit him. We, we don't know. Now, Hoyer, although he had a great second half, he's been really groomed, I think, as a backup quarterback. And I think he would be better served for the team and all that. If O'Connell starts and he's having some trouble, Hoyer is, is much more comfortable coming in. He knows the offense really good. He knows Joss' system very good. If you reverse that and put Hoyer up front and, God forbid, he gets hurt or whatever, now you're throwing the kid in. And it's a little different mindset as if he, if he didn't if it's if he didn't start. So I think they can use both of them in a little different way, and that's why I think O'Connell should get the start. Any comments on that? Yeah, good good call, man. Thanks for for the feedback. And yeah, I think that that's a real possibility, and that's something that Coach McDaniel's has said that he was more comfortable with letting you know a guy like Aiden O'Connell get reps all week long, and then going out there putting him out there where, like you mentioned, Brian Hoyer is a guy that if he has to come in like he did on Sunday at halftime, they would feel comfortable because he's been in that position. So you make a lot of sense. And they know more than we do about Jimmy G, right? They, 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 we only know what they've told us. So they, they probably have a good idea right now. They probably already know if he's playing on Sunday or not. So if they don't feel like he's going to play, they could be very well grooming O'Connell to start on Sunday. And all that you just said could make a whole lot of sense. Thanks so much for that call, my man. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Let's get another call from uh, Thor right here in Vegas. What's on your mind, Thor? Welcome to the show. What's up, Q? What's up, Q, man? In here, I'm in here in Vegas, but I'm from the Bay, so nice. I, I, I'm 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 a Raider fan, born and raised. I'm uh, 49 years old, been a Raider fan since I was five years old. My grandma raised me as a Raider fan, and it's been it's been a tough sled for the last 20 years plus. But you know what, man? We got to stay solid, man. I I heard um G um, Gangster Raider on here. Um, yesterday, fired up and, and really telling these cats, man, Raider fans need to stay solid. No matter who you put in there, we need to back them up, man. All this crazy talk about this, that, and the other for whatever quarterback is, no, represent that dude. However, right now, if we need to make a trade, I'm going to switch to that subject for you. If we, need, if we need to try to do something before the trade deadline, I think we need – I mean, I'm not mad at the end at all, but I'm, I really would love to see some help on the offensive line because these dudes, I mean, that, that they're getting killed back there a little bit. We need, you yeah. know, um, Aiden Jung, Aiden Jung, so he got to realize, man, he got to have a quicker clock in his head with the way the line's performing right now. Hopefully they'll continue to get better and grow together. Uh, and, and I'm excited. I'm excited. We got a good little stretch here, man. We can – we can make a run, man. If if we can if we can win another game or two right here in the next two three weeks, we right in there. The season is a long way to go. Let's go. This season ain't over, man. We three and three right now, and people should be excited about that after a one and three start. I mean, real talk. Let's go, Raiders. I'm fired up for this season. Thank you, <laughs> my brother. Let's go. Hey, good call, Thor. Good call. We definitely appreciate you. Yeah, like I said, man. Thirteen teams in the league right now have three wins. Right, another ten have less than three wins. So the majority of the the, the league is three wins or less. Now that doesn't mean that the Raiders are going to go on a deep playoff run. They're going to be that team, but they're in the thick of things. That's all that that means. And Jacoby Myers told me in the locker room, and when I asked him what does being three and three mean, he said it means that we have a chance. We put ourselves in the thick of things. Now, how badly do we want it? That was his words, not mine. So you'll hear from Jacoby Myers a little bit later on in the show. Uh, got a text from Michael and KC. Said love the show, Q. Best on the dial. 
Give me Leonard Williams. What are your thoughts, Michael and KC? I remember when that was a thought that Leonard Williams would be the guy that the Raiders would draft. They ultimately ended up going with Amari Cooper that year, which I think was the right decision. They needed a wide receiver. But uh, Leonard Williams, he hasn't done a whole lot right now, but I can see him being got, right? I can see him being available, and that's going back to what I was talking about, uh, the Raiders going out and making a move on the defensive line. He's a West Coast cat. I think he would love to return to the West Coast. Uh, you know, there was thoughts and, and, and uh, conversations from his camp that he wanted to be a Raider uh, when he was coming out of uh, when he was coming out of USC. I always liked him, um, but I, I don't know how much he has left, but I think he would be able to bring a little bit of juice. I, I'm, not, I'm not mad at Leonard Williams, and I think you'd be able to probably get him uh, on the cheap or on the low. So thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Uh, let's get one more quick call in. How about John in SLC? Man, John, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Q, it's been a while, but congratulations on all your new success. And I'm Thank happy you, for you, and I hope you keep it going. I'm going to get right to the point about the elephant in the room, Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. They're not winning with Jimmy Garoppolo this week, next week, or four months from now, or next year. It's time to move on from the Jimmy Garoppolo experiment. I've had six games, and I've seen Derek Carr 2.0, but worse. They need a quarterback that can make plays. That's why this offense is not getting it done. And until they get a quarterback that can go out there and make plays, they're going to continue to struggle. Going forward, I'd say either one I'm fine with. I, I probably prefer Brian Hoyer. And then once, if it goes south, you put Aiden O'Connell in. But either way, the Jimmy Garoppolo experiment's got to stop. The guy is not the answer. And look, you made a mistake. I get it. You move on from it. Because I'll tell you what, if we had Baker Mayfield, we're probably sitting at 4-1. and one. They didn't go that route. They went with the guy that they thought knew their system. But it's clearly he's not the guy, and he is not durable enough to last in the NFL. So I think they need to move on, go with one of these other two quarterbacks, and kind of play that out, and then maybe go into next year and addressing that. But this Jimmy G stuff has got to end. It's not going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's nothing out there that I'm seeing that shows me he's capable of running this offense and making plays. So anyway, Q, I'll cheer for him if he's on the field. Don't get me wrong, but I think they need to move on. Hey, anyway, great. thanks for my call, brother. Hey, thank you. Great stuff. John and SLC right there. And yeah, I think that that's the real deal. I think that, uh, that we all know that Jimmy G is not the long-term guy. Uh, I was hoping he'd be healthy enough to get out there. Um, you know, but right now it's kind of a crapshoot. It's kind of up in the air and totally understand what you're, you're saying. And at some point the Raiders have to evaluate and figure out who their long-term quarterback is going to be. But I'm with you. If he's out there, he's suited up and he's playing for the Raiders, definitely going to cheer him on and, and hope that he has the most success in the, in, in the world, right? Because at the end of the day, it's about this team winning more than anything else. Thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. I got a really good tweet from uh, Laker E. I don't have time to get to it right now. But coming up about 2.45, you'll hear this tweet. It has to do with trades and the question that I threw out there. The trade deadline, 14 days away. Do you expect the Raiders to make a move? And if so, what side of the ball would you like to see be addressed and what position? We'll get that at 245. But coming up next, Adam Hill from the RJ, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. 
This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs six foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made to order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. He motions with his hands out to the right. Takes the snap. Jones back to pass. Pressure off the edge. Steps up into the pocket. Racing out to the right. Diablo in his face. Cuts over the middle. And it's intercepted. Merrick racing down the far sideline. 25-30. And hit from behind. And the ball is out. And the Patriots are on top of it. They it's the 39-yard line. But they're going to say Merrick was down. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Trayvon Merrick right there with his second interception of the season. It was uh, one that Mac Jones threw right to him, but he had to make the play, and he had to make the play with the club on his hand as he's out there, and he's been playing with the club on his hand the majority of this season. So that's the fifth interception that the Raiders have picked up through six games so far in 2023. They only had six interceptions all of last season. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And joined now on the phone lines by our good friend from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and our sister station ESPN Las Vegas is Adam Hill. And, Adam, thanks so much for your time. What have you seen for Trayvon Merrick so far? Third year in the league, and it seems like things are starting to slow down. What are you seeing? Yeah, it's been good. Like, he, he was a guy that I thought incredibly highly of coming out of college. I thought he probably would have been a first-round pick if we go back and – uh, you know, we analyzed, I think, the night of the draft of, or the, 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 after the draft said, wow, if, if Merrick was their first-round pick and Leatherwood was their second-round pick, it was probably a pretty good draft. Uh, they just kind of flipped him around. And uh, he actually looked good in his rookie year and then took a, a pretty significant step back last year. And I, I just don't know if he, he understood his role in this system. Uh, obviously, after his rookie year, they changed the uh, defensive systems. And so I think it was a bit of an adjustment for him, but he definitely seems to be picking it up and he's playing at, at a high level. I think playing alongside Marcus Epps has helped that as well. Yeah, I did too. I think so, and, and we've all heard the stories that they get along really well and kind of are, are joined at the hip around the facility all the time. According to Nate Hobbs, right, they're light-skinned? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what is, why, why do they bond so well? I wasn't going to say it, but you <laughs> Well, Nate said it. I just repeated it, right? I'm just the middleman. But, uh, yeah, no, they clearly get along, and it seems like Merrick is doing some pretty good things. But, I mean, Adam, the defense, I didn't think in week six or following week six I'd say that that's the strength of the team, at least the last few weeks. But it is right now. Uh, how surprised are you that they're playing at the level they're playing at? It's not even close. They're right. clearly the strength of the team at this point. Uh, there's no, there's no real question about it. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's a bit surprising for sure. Um, part of it is I think any defense, um, if you have a good defensive coordinator, which I do think Patrick Graham is, like any defense is going to be better in year two than they were year one. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, learning the system. And obviously, in that first off season, you can uh, find some whatever tweaks that you need to make and find some players that you need to fill in some roles that maybe you didn't understand that you needed going into last year. So they found guys that fit what they wanted to do a little bit better. Uh, they also, you know, had everybody that was here last year kind of learn even more in this offseason. So you expect to take a step forward, but I think it was a, a further step forward than maybe even was expected out of this team. They've been really good so far. And that, that includes, you know, early in the year being really vulnerable against the run and not able to stop the run at all. And now they're even doing better in that area, I think, because – uh, they've been a little bit better, you know, in the in the interior of the defensive line the last couple of weeks, and that's helped stop the running a little bit. So um, they've even made improvements throughout the season. 
and I know that you never get too high or too low on, you know, on anything. It's just kind of like even keel and, you know, you don't don't want to overpraise anybody, but the Raiders right now they're they're squared up. They're knotted up at 3 and 3, so they're 500 right now. Uh what what do you think of their overall record that they're at where they're sitting at right now? I mean, I think going into the year if you said this team is 3 and 3 at this point, you'd be thrilled. Right. Um I you know, going back 2 weeks when they're 1 and 3, I think there was a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointment and you know, a lot of a lot of heads kind of hung after that uh, Chargers game. Uh, I believe it was that that last road game, where it was just like, man, nothing is really going right. They, they keep falling a little bit short. They're not making plays when they need to. Not executing in key moments. And um, I think you saw the frustration of a lot of guys. But you also understood at the time uh, for all the people that were angry. And I remember, you know, listening to you, you know your show and our show and fans screaming and angry about the the end of the season and they suck and all this other stuff and. You look around and said, uh, they're not good, but look at the next two games on the schedule. Right. And in fact, look at, look at the next three games on the schedule and, you know, calm down because I think it's going to be a lot different uh, in a couple of weeks, and it is. And they've, you know, they haven't, they haven't played well. I don't think anybody should run around and say, hey, this team is good now. But you right. should say they're where they need to be. Like, there's a lot of games ahead that, you know, the next couple of weeks they have some winnable games, and then down the stretch they have some games that you don't think they have any chance of winning. But, uh, at the same time, like they're right in the mix. They're you know a bunch of teams are between two and four and four and two right now in the AFC, and they're one of them. Yeah, they are. Adam Hill is our guest here from the Las Vegas Review Journal and our sister station ESPN Las Vegas here on Radio Nation Radio 920. I'm glad you mentioned the the records overall. Right now in the league, there's 13 teams that have three wins. There's 10 teams that have less than three wins. You look at the numbers. You analyze the numbers. What does that tell you about the league in general? Well, there's certainly a lot of parity. I mean, there's there's no question about that. We've seen, um, in addition to a lot of parity, we've seen a lot of teams that have struggled to find consistent offense, and the Raiders are certainly one of them. And if you can't, you know, people talk about defense winning championships, but if you can't consistently move the ball and consistently score points, you're not going to win a whole lot of games, and you're going to find yourself kind of in the middle of the pack at 500, right? And that's where a lot of teams are. You've seen a lot of teams that haven't been able to put everything together either you know, can't run the ball, can't throw the ball, can't finish in the red zone, which has been a big problem for the Raiders. But when you see all these teams that are having these big issues, uh, you expect a lot of teams to be right in the middle of the pack, and that's where they are. And somebody, you know, a couple teams need to start separating themselves. But for right now, everybody has to believe that they're in the mix. Even if you're two and four, even one and five, you're kind of still in the mix a little bit. So nobody's really out of it. And uh, I think that speaks to how wide open the door is this year. You mentioned the red zone. The Raiders were one for six in the red zone. They scored one touchdown in six trips. What would you say, if you had to put your finger on the biggest issue for the Raiders in the red zone, what would it be? Well, I mean, I think it's a combination, but it's it's, it's self-inflicted wounds, I guess, if you're going to boil down to one thing. But it's it's really turnover. excuse me, it's really penalties. Yeah. Uh, that's been a huge factor in the red zone. But turnovers have been there, too. I mean, uh, we saw an interception in the red zone uh, this past week. Uh, we've seen a couple of those, you know, situations happen, and um, I think the penalties are probably the more glaring one because they happen more often. But turnovers are there too, and you can't, you know, there's such a I, I despise it, and I'm going to say it anyway. But like the, just the word execution, you talk about it all the time. Of what do you have to do better? Execution. What does that mean? <laughs> but it, it, it's true in this case of like run the play. Don't you know? Don't try to get too too, too exert yourself too much. Like, do what you have to do. Do your job. Just execute your job in the red zone, and they'll be a lot better off because the penalties are killing them. It's taking them out chances to potentially score touchdowns and turning them into field goals. 
What do you think if Jimmy if Jimmy G can't go on Sunday? Who is Adam Hill wrong with? Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell? I mean, to me, there's no question. Uh, it's Brian Hoyer. Like I, I can't even see the other side at this point. You saw Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. And and he doesn't. He's not ready. And he might be at some point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not ruling him out completely. You know, I wasn't high on him anyway. But you saw that experiment. Like you saw it. And you also saw Brian Hoyer, who I thought played really well on Monday, and just kind of executed what he had to do. Not, you know, he wasn't putting up a ton of pull in the second half, but he did the job, did what he had to do, got some first downs, moved the clock. Like, you know, he accomplished what he had to accomplish, uh, but that's what he does. He's a veteran. He doesn't do anything spectacular, but he just kind of stays the course, and I think that's probably what you're going to need. If it's backup quarterback versus backup quarterback this week in Chicago, I think it's really going to come down to, like, who doesn't screw it up? Right, and I think that that's Brian Hoyer to me. I mean, that's that's where we are. And I will also say, like, I get the excitement and the enthusiasm of a young quarterback. Um, I know the fans want to see Aiden O'Connell. I still don't understand what they saw against the Chargers that makes them want to see him again. Um, <laughs> we saw somebody really struggle to understand where they were in the pocket, really create the sacks on his own uh, by holding the ball too long, not recognizing the defense, and that sort of thing and then put together a couple of drives against a prevent defense when they stopped going after him. I mean, it was pretty clear to see what happened in that game, and yet fans are like, that was the best we've been in that second half. Like, it, it wasn't. It was, look, what, look what they were doing on the other side defensively. So um, I don't understand it, and I certainly don't understand it. I, I credit Josh Jacobs for pointing this out. The fans that booed when Hoyer came in instead of O'Connell, first of all, have some understanding of the rules. Like, you can't bring in Aiden O'Connell at that point. Right. Um, but the fans that were booing when Brian Hoyer came in, like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Josh Jacobs called it, you know, uh, he called it a word I can't say on your airwaves. Right. He was furious about it, and I get it. Like, I, I don't, I just don't, I don't understand what those fans were thinking or what they wanted. No, they they wanted Aiden O'Connell, who wasn't even active <laughs> on yeah. Uh, yeah. on on Sunday, so he wasn't yeah. going to be that guy, but. Yeah, that's what they wanted to see. But on that note, Brian Hoyer and Josh Jacobs pointed this out as well. Brian Hoyer hit that 48-yard pass to Trey Tucker, and those boos turned to cheers real quick, Adam. Yeah, real quick. How did we lose them? Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a really bad look for the fans, which, by the way, the first game in a while that it's actually been a Raider crowd, and then they go and embarrass themselves like that. Not everyone, of course, uh, but there was enough of them that you really heard it, and I thought it was, I thought it was awful. Yeah, no, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of it either, but I was glad that he hit that shot to Trey Tucker and really kind of shut everybody up pretty quickly. How important is that, though, that they can stretch the field like he was able to do with Trey? Huge. I mean, that's the first real deep shot they've hit yeah. uh, this season, and yep. especially just kind of in the flow of the offense. You you, know, you run a play, you see it, you see it open, you, 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 he pops, pops downfield, and you hit him. And you, was, the throw was right on. It was a great, great throw, great read, a great understanding of what was supposed to happen there, and you know, again, that's what Brian Hoyer does. Like, I, I, I wouldn't suggest that a Brian Hoyer-led team is a playoff team. Right. But it's a team that's not going to not gonna crush itself, which is what happened against the Chargers when Nate O'Connell was in the game. He crushed them by being in there. And I, I don't think Brian Hoyer does that. And I think that's what you need in a game against a team like the Bears. Uh, I mean, this is going to be a game that's probably like a, you know, a 13-12, to 12, four turnover type game. And, you know, you don't want to make the big mistake, and I think that's why Brian Hoyer is the answer. 
Yeah, I think that he's good for, you know, a start, you know, maybe even two starts. I think, you know, for the long term, maybe a guy like Aiden O'Connell gets comfortable and he's able to go. But sure. I think I think for a week or two, uh, Brian Hoyer is your, your guy or should be your guy. Uh, Adam, we'll end with this. It's the question that I threw out there to Raider Nation. The trade deadline's 14 days away. Do you think that the Raiders make a move? And if they do, what side of the ball and what position are they looking at? I really – I don't. Um... I mean, look, they, they might, we saw a bunch of moves today by teams, and it's, yeah. you know, nothing exciting, nothing splashy, but it's, you know, Philly need here and there, and it's mostly veteran guys you bring in. Um, you know, the Eagles bring in Julio Jones to try to chase a ring. Um, the, the Rams have running back problems, and uh, they're making phone calls. They're bringing guys in. So James Robinson went to the Packers. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, but you see a lot of those kind of guys. I don't think they make a trade. I mean, maybe they move out Hunter Renfro. Um, that's possible. I, I mean, clearly he's not – you know, all he's doing now is catching uh, fair catches on onside kicks. Hmm. Uh, that's essentially his role, um, which is it's baffling still that that hasn't worked, especially after how good he was in training camp. Yep. Um, so maybe that happens, but I don't think they're making moves uh, to bring in like a star player or anything. I just I don't think it's the right move. If you look at it, they've got a couple of winnable games ahead for sure. But what? Who are you going to bring in that's going to help you win at Miami, at Kansas City? Like those games, I don't think are going to win, and I don't think you want to give up assets for the future. Uh, to try to, you know, patchwork something together here down the stretch. I think you're building for next year. That, well, that makes a lot of sense, and that's why we ask you the hard-hitting questions right there. And Adam Hill always bringing the heat. Definitely appreciate you. What uh, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for, my man? Oh, uh, lots of stuff. Of course, that special section coming up every Sunday. Uh, right now I'm actually writing something about the Red Zone. I've gone back and watched every play of the Red Zone from Sunday and kind of breaking it down a little bit, so that will come out tomorrow. Nice. Well, I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. I need as much red zone information and explanation as possible on why the Raiders are struggling one for six on Sunday. Adam, thanks so much, man. Great stuff as always. We appreciate you. Sounds good. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. There he goes. Adam Hill, good friend. Las Vegas Review Journal, ESPN Las Vegas does a fantastic job on Twitter at Adam Hill, LVRJ, and on Cofield and Company as well on ESPN Las Vegas. Good stuff. 2.45 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll close out hour number one. Got a couple of patient callers online that we'll get to and a couple texts that we'll get to. This is Rainish Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got 10 minutes from now. We'll have John McClain from Sports Radio 610 in Houston join the show, talk all things NFL. And, of course, we'll talk a little ALCS, Astros and Rangers with him as well. Got one quick text from the 707. I couldn't tell from the TV, but is there any chance that most of the boos came from the Patriots fans since Hoyer was a Patriot? If not, that's shameful to boo this guy who didn't do all that bad and to otherwise never be loud enough to actually have a home field advantage in Allegiant. That's from the 707. And, yeah, the majority of the boos came from Raider Nation. They all wanted to see Aiden O'Connell out there, and the majority of it, uh, as I was there in the press box watching and looking around the stadium, it was Raider Nation that was upset that Brian Hoyer came into the game. But again, as Josh Jacobs pointed out, as Max Crosby pointed out, as Jacoby Myers pointed out, uh, everyone shut up pretty quickly when he hit that 48-yard shot to Trey Tucker. All of a sudden, those boos, boo, yeah! I mean, it just changed quick, fast, and in a hurry, so... Uh, sometimes it's what it's got to be, right? Sometimes, hell, Donovan McNabb got booed by the Eagle fans when he got drafted. So <laughs> there's that, right? I mean, so it, it just sometimes that's how it be. But Brian Hoyer went in there as a true pros pro and handled his business and helped the Raiders get that victory on Sunday. Let's go out to the phone lines, get a couple patient listeners that like Mitch in New Jersey. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? How's it going, Q? How you doing? Hope you're doing well. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could tell you what happened last week, but. 
I'll stick with sports. I, Sounds good. I know I'm, the, I'm on that list. Um, what a nice problem to have, Bears and Cardinals, to be dangling good quarterbacks in um, Justin Fields. Ooh. It's a shame they, they probably won't be available. He can't, he can't grip the ball. And same thing with Kyle Murray. I mean, the Caleb, I know Caleb didn't look good this past weekend, but I want to see the Raiders trade for wide receiver. Even another quarterback. I'm not happy with Hoy. I want to see the kid, even somebody else. And I want to see more of uh, Zamir White. I think he can carry more than one time, right? He's a big boy. Let him, let him, let him get some carries. All right. What are you thinking? Um, thanks for taking my call, bro. Hey, thanks for the call. And, I mean, look, Josh Jacobs is the guy. Right, they gave him a they gave him a nice little contract to to be the guy. They expected his workload to be more similar to what it was last year. I expected to see more Zamir White, but right now there's not a lot of success from Jacobs, let alone uh, another guy. So I think that they're going to try to get the run game at some point established, and then maybe they can uh, you know mix in Zamir as well. But uh, he's doing some really good things as far as working hard, uh, being available. Uh, he's been doing some uh, uh, a lot of really good pass protection. He's even been catching some passes. So Zamir has a role. We've actually talked to him or talked about him with different coaches in the media room the past couple of weeks. We've actually been talking about Samir White. So there could be a time where he pops up and plays a little bit more. Um, as far as quarterbacks go, Justin Fields, I don't know if he's going to be a bear too long. I don't know about Kyler Murray in, in Arizona. Don't know too much about those guys. I don't see either one of them getting moved at the trade deadline. But uh, interesting little thoughts that you had there. Appreciate that. Uh, let's get one more quick call in. Let's go out to Portland. Let's talk to our guy, Robert. Welcome to the show. Yeah, to uh – I think that Belichick could be the key in a trade. Um, I like Josh Uche. He played real well on Sunday. He's the edge back up to the, the guy that's hurt. You know, they're all yeah, Judon. Yep. Judon. Yep. But he showed me a lot. He was a second-round draft choice in 20. He's coming up for going going to get, you know, he's going to try to get some money. But I think they could they can move somebody for him. And because I, hey, I'm not giving up on our big seventh round pick. I, you know, he's a, he he is what he is. Right. I just think you need somebody on the other side, and I think Uche would be spectacular. I like that. I like that thought. That's really good. I'm not giving up on Tyree either. It's way too early. I mean, it's only six games in. But, yeah, he definitely needs someone who can compliment Max Crosby uh, immediately. That's why I'm thinking that the defensive line is where they go and make a move, if they go and make a move before that October 31st trade deadline. But I like that. Uche is a good thought. And uh, Judon is the big-time player for the Patriots. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's out. And so that's interesting. I'm I'm intrigued to see if they would you know make a move. Obviously, they're very familiar with the the Patriots and that franchise. Uh, one quick text from the five five nine. Hey Q and crew, since most Raider fans are Laker fans, this is all too familiar for them. Jimmy G slash Anthony Davis. That probably explains the anti Jimmy stance. Anyway, hope he recovers. All we need is for Hoyer to do his best. Dilfer, Flacco, Brad Johnson, and we'll be okay against the Bears. I expect a W. Most definitely go Raiders. That text is coming from the five five nine and. Jimmy G, Anthony Davis, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a good one. That's a good one. And I'm not trying to bash Jimmy G, but I'll tell you, man, Anthony Davis has got to be one of the most frustrating players, right? I mean, and so I can understand where you're coming from with the same comparison because I think Jimmy has some talent, but it's always about availability. Anthony Davis clearly has talent, but it's always about availability. So that's a good one. I haven't put those two and two together uh, before, maybe because I'm not a Laker fan, but that's, that's a good one. I, I do absolutely know 
Uh, all the times I've sat in the barbershop, shout out, to, shout out to Endicott Barbershop, I sit in there and I talk bad about Anthony Davis because, well, he even falls like he's going to get hurt, right? I mean, he just falls uncomfortable. He falls like Ari would fall. Like, he just, you know, has no way to save it himself. It just every time he falls, you're like, oh, damn. And so, yeah, I could totally see that uh, as far as what you're saying when it comes to Jimmy G as well. Really good text. Definitely appreciate that. 255 is the time. John McClain kicks off hour number two of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.